I suppose you can't start really without what happened last night. <laughs> Where a city divided, a red and a blue city were divided. And the blue conquered, yeah. And people, the, the red side of the um, city, most people hate. Yeah, they're like Marmite. You either love them or you hate them. The blue side, nobody really bothers, do they? Unless you support them. But what I'm trying to say is that the Jewish nation was, was hated, wasn't it, by the Gentiles. Even through, throughout history, we've seen the hatred towards the Jews. And they were, they, you know, they, they want, we wanted to be sort of in their in the faith, didn't we? Because of the living God. But because we, we were hated and hated and we'd seen in the world wars, uh, we, you know, how they were persecuted and murdered because of the faith. And today, now, Christianity is being persecuted and murdered. People being murdered because of the faith. But they're still standing strong, aren't they? And God is for, has blessed all nations now. Not just the Israel. He's blessed all nations. And we've all have been invited to come into the into God's, uh, into God's world, into, into God's nation. And we, are, we have accepted that invitation. There's many that have not accepted it. There's many who have rejected the invitation. <clears throat> but we are stand, we're here this morning because we have inv we accepted that invitation, haven't we? When we stood and confessed with our mouths that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour, and you know, that he died on that cross, and the third day he rose again, and he's a living God, not a dead God. Yeah, and he's living in us, and he's given us a helper, anti in the Holy Spirit, and he set, like I keep saying, he set us free. The, the football match last night, because of his treble, it was not the perfect one, is it? They still, would they miss one cup, didn't they? They lost one game. They had a couple of goals scored against them. But it's not the perfect, is it? They strive to get the perfect quadruple or whatever, all the cups, win all the cups, win all the matches, everything, to be perfect. But Jesus died on that cross because he's the perfect human, isn't he? He's the perfect God. And that's why he's more important, isn't it? It's good to be entertained. You know, with football, we might support a team. But we need more support for Jesus, don't we? We need the support of God in our lives. And he doesn't care whether you're red, blue, pink or white or whatever colour you're you are, he's there for everybody, isn't he? It's all nations. We're going to start in a, the new, um, a new book now, Luke, the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 1.4, he explains why he wrote the book. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitnesses report, eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an, ac an accurate account for you. Most honorable Theopolis, Theopolis, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. In the Gospels, there's four Gospels. Matthew is known as the teacher. Mark is the storyteller. And Luke is a, the historian, and John is the, known as the theologian. The beauty of Luke is that he delves more, he gives you more information. 
he tells you more and more, and you can you, you read into it more and more. You can picture it. You know, it, it becomes a, better, a clearer picture of what went on. Even though he wasn't there, and I, he wasn't there in G, when Jesus' time, but he was an eyewitness. He, he wasn't an eyewitness of Jesus's thing. But he went round with the, all the, the disciples later on because he wrote. The, he, Luke is also known for writing the book of uh, Acts. But he, he was collecting all the information, wasn't he? And he was writing it down. And to be honest, that's a miracle in itself. Because if anybody's read a prescription, then you can't read the doctor's writing, can you? But they were able, because Luke was a doctor, and they were able to read his writing, so that's a miracle in itself. <laughs> but Luke, is so, he got so enthused into it. When you get a really good description of what went on. Like, <clears throat> like I say, I'm going back with the football, with Manchester City. Everybody looks at the money, and you could see what, you know, that, he, that they won. It's the money that made them win. But then when you see, there was a clip on YouTube and it was showing, you know, in the dressing room, on the training ground, you know, and, and talking to all the, the players and the managers and everything. And you could see the backstory back of it, you know, like what was going on. It wasn't the case of spending money and the players going on, because all teams spend money. And the money helped, but it wasn't that. It was the backstory, isn't it? When you see, hear of people... Heroes, you want to read about the backstory of how, how they became the hero, what their lives were like before they became a hero. And it gels it all together, doesn't it? And this is what <clears throat> Luke has done, he's gelled everything together so we can get the full gospel, we can see what comes on. It starts with um, John the Baptist. In the other gospels, he just appears, doesn't he? He's just there and he's baptising people and telling people to repent of their sins. But we don't know where he come from. We don't know his, about his parents, about how he's born, but Luke brings that into it because it's important that we need to know that. Now, obviously, I'll come on to that, but we need to know. And there's a lot of things that Luke brings into because he brings the wider picture so you can delve into it more and more. So, like I say, uh, Luke was a medical doctor because uh, in Colossians 4, 14, he's, um, he says, Luke, the beloved doctor or physician. Luke is the only Gentile, which Gentile just means non-Jewish, who penned a word in the Bible. And he's wrote the most. You'd think Paul would have wrote the most. He's wrote most books. But word for word, Luke has wrote, wrote the most. So a Gentile, a non-Jewish has wrote more in the Bible than any Jewish person. And he, when I was checking this out, a lot of them didn't include the Hebrews. And as we know, we, we, le we were led to believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. But if you add up the words and that, I've, I've only done it on Google. He's, he's only a couple of hundred out. But still Luke is wrong. Depend and depending on the version you read as well. But it's known that Luke has wrote the most in it. And he's most in depth as well, especially with the, the book of Acts. <clears throat> See, we don't know who Theopolis was. Some say that he was um, a financier. He financed the book for the writing of the book. Um, but more likely, Theopolis was um, a Roman acquaintance of Luke's. 
and he got a strong desire to know more and more about Jesus. And so he, he was always with him. <clears throat> but, and the book was, was um, persuaded to Theopolis that the Christian teachings he had heard are true and does not want to, Theopolis to, to be a, like a leap of faith. You know, he wants his writings is for all of us to, to get that faith, in, you know, that it is true, that the gospel is true. You know, you know, we're not just, oh, yeah, I've read a bit. It, it looks a bit, it looks okay. I can agree with that, but I'm not going to agree with that. And, you know, you just go through, through your Christian life that way, don't you? But Luke wants people to know, to be delved in and to know that it, it is true, that the word is true, isn't it? And that's why he wants, that's why he's trying to achieve, trying to, you know, to get us to know Jesus more and more. See, the Bible has no coincidences, not, you know, nothing is just a mismatch. Theopolis means one who loves God. You know, it could have been any other name, but God chose, God, obviously God chose this man to come forward. And we're here, we, we, you know, we are here today, aren't we? We're all Theopolises, aren't we? We all love God. Mark 12 says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So we are one, one who loves God, aren't we? We are, like I said, Theopolis. And but when Luke is, you know, like, he, like I say, he's a doctor and a Greek, he goes more and more, delves more and more into the history and, you know, as Dorian is always saying, his story. When we say history, she's always saying his story. And Luke's going more and more into Jesus' story, isn't he? Of how he came and how he started. And in Luke, in Luke he it talks about Amos and, and his friend. They were walking back after the, the women had told him, you know, that Jesus had, had gone, he was dead. And, they all thought it, Jesus had failed. It was just, you know, nothing was going to happen. And as they're walking along the road, Jesus met them. And he, were talking, he asked them, why, why, you know, why they were so sad? And he, they explained. And then Jesus said, you know, like they were foolish because hadn't they read, you know, and believed what was already written, what Moses is And then Jesus went on and teaching them about Moses and all the old prophets. And then they realized, didn't they? It was when they were breaking the bread that they realized that who, who was in front of them, who was talking. And things like that was the other gospels just say that these two disciples came running back, scared, you know, coming right back saying that they, you know that Jesus is alive. They've seen Jesus, but Luke delves more into it. Luke puts great emphasis on dates and details connecting Jesus, so you see more and more like the kings or with the time of the place. You know, he's giving more dates, so it's got more substance, hasn't it? It's more truth. It's showing Theopolis not to close our eyes and I believe, I believe, that's it. And everything's going along, I believe, I believe. But he wants us to doubt, to reach out and to open our eyes and our hearts to the word, to the gospel, isn't it? The good news. Luke gives us more um, information about Jesus' birth, his ministry, death, 
and resurrection. He doesn't want us as well to take a leap in the dark and in faith. It's here, it's written, isn't it? John's gospel says the, the word became flesh and he came on earth, isn't he? So this is living, isn't it? Luke refers to the Holy Spirit more than any other gospel. We can't read this book without having the Holy Spirit in us because it was spirit read, spirit written, and we need to read it in, in the spiritual eyes because it's just a book. You can go to the library and get a book and read that and get a great story, you know, and get excited about the story and want to know the end of it. But it means nothing, does it? Whereas this, it does mean everything, doesn't it? Because it's a living word and we need to read with spiritual eyes. And we ask the Holy Spirit to come into our, our lives to, to get wisdom, don't we? To get understanding, because we can't understand it all. But the Holy Spirit will teach us, won't he? He'll show us, you know, in things that happen and he'll remind you of a word and he'll, he'll bring words back to you when you're trying to do a sermon. You're thinking, well, what shall I do? What shall I do? And then when you pray, the Holy Spirit gives you the words to think. He reminds you of things that have happened years ago. And you think, oh, yeah, that's relevant to this preaching. Oh, this is relevant for that. And he always reminds you. In a situation when you're talking to someone like saying that you can't, you know, communion, you know, you need to prepare before you can do the communion. And when someone asks you about your, you know, about Christ, about Jesus, and why, you know, Jesus, you know why you, you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you a word that you've, was in the back of your head. You know, next thing, it's, it's there in front of you and you can speak out to those who are lost because we are to reach out and to speak the gospel, aren't we? See, the Holy Spirit was present in Jesus' life as well, wasn't he? He was in the birth, the baptism, ministry, and his resurrection. As a perfect example for us, Jesus lived in independence on the Holy Spirit as we need to live in dependence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus lived as a perfect example of a human. He's a perfect, he had a perfect ministry. He provided a perfect sacrifice for our sins so we could be saved. He says, I think when I did Hebrews, he's, uh, Jesus has perfected us. We are perfect we're perfect in, in, in Jesus, aren't we? We're not perfect human beings. We do make mistakes, but when Jesus is in us, we've been perfected. We've been made perfect because of his sacrifice and, and, and as he's risen again, he's made us perfect in the word of God, in, in, in our Christian life, in our faith. He's been made perfect in us because he lives in us, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit is in us and we the Holy Spirit and Jesus will not go into a, an imperfect body, will it? It's perfect. We're perfected by having the Holy Spirit because he gives us the words to speak. Do you know what he's saying? So we are to set an example of how to live a perfect life. Obviously, we won't live perfect lives. We have our ups and downs, don't we? Things go wrong. But things go wrong maybe for a reason. You know, our financial difficulties. Do we turn to the bank manager or do we turn to God? When we're ill, we can t turn to the doctor or turn to God. To, to God. Or do we pray to that the doctor has a skill 
and the knowledge to, to heal us. Not only just, you know, God put the doctors on the earth as well to heal us, isn't he? And God could heal us. You know, so it's all, it works together, doesn't it? And we're living in, like, in that life, aren't we? And we're to be an example. We're not to run into the bank manager, not running upstairs and putting a blanket over your head, not getting, you know, being like an emu and sticking your head in the sand. We need to be standing strong, don't we? And we need to be that example to our neighbours and we need to be an example to our work colleagues. We need to be an example to our friends. We need to be an example to us as well, don't we? We need to be open with each other as well. <clears throat> Luke saying like, because that Theopolis, is, is, his name means someone who loves God. Luke's really saying it to, to us, is someone who loves God to know the good news they have heard about Jesus is true. He does not want to, the love they have for Jesus to be a, a leap of faith in the dark. Does this apply to you? Are you a Theopolis? It's good that this book, his name has a meaning in the sense that if this book was written for Theopolis, we would ignore it, wouldn't we? It's just for him, you know, it's not for us. But it's not the word, the, the, the gospel of Luke is for all of us, isn't it? Jesus is our perfect leader and saviour. He offers forgiveness to all who will accept him as Lord of their lives and believe that what he says is true. In John 14, 26, he says, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So it is written in the Word, isn't it? It's written in the Bible that the Holy Spirit will remind us. He will give us wisdom. He will lead us and guide us and show us the way to go. How many of you have been in a situation where you don't know what to do and you're thinking there's something, there's like a little voice in your head and telling you you should do this, you should do that. How many of us ignore it, or how many of us go for it? The devil sometimes speaks to you as well, doesn't he? But we need to discern which is the Holy Spirit and which is Satan, isn't it? I don't know if anybody's heard the song by James Brown. I know it's not a Christian song, but this is a man's, man's world, but it's nothing without a woman or a girl in it. And looking around today, we can see that Christianity is a male-dominated faith, isn't it? If you look around, all of them, the, we're, we are a male, strong-held faith, yeah? So where are, where are all the men? <laughs> we're few, but look at all the women. And they've all got one, apart from believing in Jesus and being born again, you've got one another main thing that's... Uh, you've all got in common. You're all mothers. Yeah? And Luke's gospel starts off with, with two mothers, doesn't it? We're going to come into that. See, in Luke's gospel, Luke constantly pairs men with women. When he compares the two, it's always, more, always in the women's favour. He always goes for the women. You think with the Bible, it's all men dominated, isn't it? God's a man, God, you know, Jesus is a man, the Holy Spirit's a man, uh, all the prophets. And all. But then when you read into it, you see, hear about all the women, don't you? When there's been victories, it's not the men's songs, 
Miriam's song when they crossed the parted, went through the parted Red Sea. It was Miriam's song, wasn't it? Deborah's song. Murray's song. You know, the women singing, you know, but they're singing humbly, aren't they? They're singing of the victory. Whereas men are trying to explain it all and trying to say, oh, yeah, this is happening because of this and because of that. We're trying to explain everything away. Whereas women, the mums, accepted on them. So, if you look in Luke, it looks prayer parable. The prayer parable of the persistent widow is paired with the prayer parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We're coming to Zachariah and Murray. Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman. In cultural terms, Simon had every advantage. He is a man, she is a woman. He's religious, admired, she is despised. He's hosting a dinner party. She's weeping, prostrate, in embarrassment. But according to Jesus, she surpasses Simon on every account. The widow's two small coins, or two mites, against the rich man. The prophet Simeon and the prophetess Anna, they both prophesied the infant Jesus, didn't they? They were both sat waiting for, waiting and waiting and waiting for this child to arrive. And when he came to the temple, they said, yeah, that's Jesus. No, they prophesied, didn't they? So Luke uses women and regards women more. So does Jesus, doesn't he? When the, the, I say the sinful woman, the woman who committed adultery, the Samaritan woman, all the way through, Jesus regards women as equals to men, doesn't he? We are, we're equals, aren't we? When we're married... We become one flesh. Yeah? We're all together, isn't it? It's not you and me. It's not male and female. It's not... There's no groups, is there? Too many businesses, you know, you go into the groups, you know, they have the groups, don't they? They have the women's group. They have the black men's groups. They have the black women's groups. They have the different sexual groups. And all, you know, because they all want to be separated. But we can't have a, a, a white man's group because that would be classed as being racist. But we're all together in church. We, have, we don't have separate groups, do we? We have women's meetings. We have men's meetings. We have youth meetings. We have children's meetings. We're, but the, the togetherness is together, isn't it? The, the businesses are having the meetings because they think they're, they're different. Been, they want to be separated. They want to be, think they're different. They're unusual. But they're not unusual. We're not unusual in God's eyes. We're not different in, in our love for Jesus. We're all the same, aren't we? We're all come together. We're all family. We're brothers and sisters, not friends, not colleagues. We're brothers and sisters. So it doesn't matter what color skin you have. It doesn't matter your gender. We're all male or female. There's no in-between. But we're all together, aren't we? And one, singing, singing, uh, singing his praises, aren't we? Glorifying God in our lives. We're all one. We need to know that. And Luke is bringing that out. In our family situations, we are different. The way we came to, to the Lord, it's all been different. We have different situations, don't we? With different comings. But it all ends up in the same result, doesn't it? The love of God is in us, isn't it? salvation 
In Luke 1, which is where I start now, Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eye, cared to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. He goes on to say, it was Zachariah's turn to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. It was in the sanctuary where Zachariah met an angel of the Lord, Gabriel. The angel told him, the Lord has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give him a son. And hearing now that he's on his own in the temple, and then this angel appears to him, which is a miracle in itself, isn't it? You know, to see an angel in front of you. And then to be told that your wife is going to have a, a, a son. His answer was, how can I, I be sure this will happen? Well, if an angel is in front of you, I think you know it would want to happen, don't you? If God sent, sent an angel down to tell you, it's going to happen, isn't it? I'm an old man, though, and my wife is also well along in years. It's a good job his wife didn't hear that. He doubted, didn't he? His unbelief came in. Even though he's a priest, his doubt came in. And then we have Mary. In Luke 1, 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. Mary's answer was, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Zachariah's answer, like I said, was doubt and unbelief. Murray's answer was doubt, but it was a questioning doubt, wasn't it? How, you know, the, she couldn't see the impossible being done. When we pray and ask God to come in, you know, for healing or, or wherever it is, God sometimes uses unusual methods, doesn't he? He uses unusual ways to do it. It's not our ways, is it? not our understanding but it's God's ways so we know like I say we don't always understand what God's doing do we but his ways are there it was beginning in with Adam and Eve they couldn't eat the tree of life uh, the, the tree the, the forbidden fruit but it was a tree of knowledge and death wasn't it they could not eat from the tree of life but the tree of knowledge and death they couldn't eat because it was too much and that's why God is keeping back He's only letting us know when we need to know. It's on a need-to-know basis at the moment, isn't it? And God is showing us through the Gospels what we need to know, why we need to know how to live our lives. See, Psalm 145, verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He's filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him, in truth, he grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him. Psalm 65 verse 2 says, For you answer our prayers, all of us must come to you. Mary didn't ask, did she? She was ready, she was a new bride. and She was young, she was maybe only 14, 15. Today, that wouldn't, it wouldn't happen, would it? But... It, <clears throat> Like I say, we're loose couple because he goes into more information. He's given us a time, you know, an idea of the, the time. And, our, you know, times change, don't they? But the word of God doesn't change. But situations change, don't they? Laws change. 
worldly laws change. And people, you know, are brought up in different ways, you know, in the teachings. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. When Emily first came, when we, when we got the house that we're living in, we didn't have a lawnmower, so the grass got really high. And Emily would not let Nan play in the grass because when, because of snakes, she was worried that there were snakes inside the long grass. Now, to us, that seems foolish, but in Africa, when she was brought up by her mother, they didn't play in long grass because there were snakes, and you didn't play in long grass. You're told not to go into the long grass because of the snakes. But <clears throat> she brought it up to, to here, thinking it, it was the same, but it wasn't. It was a different situation. The same with, every, with all our situations. It's different, isn't it? What we've been taught and what we, you know, the, we, we comes into different situations, doesn't it? So, like I said, Zach Murray believed, didn't she? She was humble and she believed. A song that she wrote, that she sings and wrote, is of unbelief. I'm sorry, of belief, of being humble. You know, why me? You know, but thank you, it's me. <laughs> but she was confused, wasn't she? And she, you know, she hadn't been with a man. How could she conceive a child? But she didn't question God's ability or his power. But she did, she did ask questions, didn't she? And it's not wrong to ask questions. Questions can help us realize our limitations. It's humility. Questions shows our deep cares and struggles. It's being honest. Questions reveal our curiosity and desire to learn more. It's our hunger to know more, isn't it? Questions express our aspirations and expectations. It's our hope. You know, when we ask questions, hope, isn't it? Job asked many questions when he was suffering. King David and Jesus asked the same question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very first question God asked for humanity was, where are you? God is asking the same question today. Where are you? Are you with me today? See, mums, don't be afraid for you have found, as the angel said, don't be afraid, Murray, for you have found favour with God. You, mums, you have been found favour with God. Every birth is a miracle and every child is a gift from God. The first thing every mum in this room needs to know, the Lord is with you. He's on your side, he's got your back and he's watching over you. It's the hardest job, isn't it, being a mother? You've got to be a doctor, you've got to be oh, a nurse, you know, you've got to be a teacher, you've got to be a cook, you've got to be a dresser, you know, dress, dressing the children, changing nappies, and all we help out. But with that, it's 24 7, isn't it? It's most, being a mother is that, it's not the worst job, it's the worst job, but it's the best job. It's, you know, it's a burden, but it's rewarding. But it's, you know, as a mother, and a mother's love, and, you know, it's got great, no greater than a mother's love, is there? Apart from God's love. But you know what I mean? But you, 
mothers will look down on you. No, it's the man who brings the money in. It's the man who makes the home. But it's not, it's the woman, isn't it? Like I was saying with um, James Brown's song, it's a man's world, but nothing without a woman or a child. I know it's not a, a Christian song, but if you think about it, Elizabeth was the woman. Mary was the child. And without them two, John the Baptist wouldn't have been here. Neither would have Jesus. Yeah? God was asking you, you know, asking you as mothers to teach your children, isn't he? He's to bring them up into the world, to show them the Christian way of life, to show them a godly life, isn't he? See, today mums are concerned with what's going on in the world. The children are growing up. You know, today, in this day and age, you know, you've got all the computers, all the games, um, telephones, you know, like Facebook and all this Twitter and whatever the others on there are. And Peter and the kids are on it. But, as, you know, as mothers, we don't want, we have to be worried what they're on, what they're playing or what they're, you know, what they're watching. But God, we always know that God is always there with them as well. He's always there protecting them. See, you're afraid of the unknown. You don't know how, how your child's going to grow up to be, to, you know, you don't know what, what the life is. But let God grow into their lives. Let God lead their lives. Let God be in their lives. Let God lead them. We can do so much, but it's only God who, can, who takes them on to the next step, doesn't it? So don't be overcome. Don't be overwhelmed by all the things that you see. Don't be overcome by what things are unrealistic expectations of your responsibilities. Remember, God is with you. And he's, your, you know, he's always strong with you. When schools are telling us what to, how to bring our child up, our children up, you know, they must do this, they must do that. The laws have changed, haven't they? It's illegal now to, sl- to smack your child in public or even in the home, it's illegal. You hear of children suing their mothers or the parents. You hear that the children are going to the police reporting, you know, the children because they've not got their way. So they're thinking, all right, then I'll I'll go to the police, I'll make up a story, you know. But if they've been brought up with God's love in in a Christian faith, they won't follow that. Yeah, we do get tantrums. We do get sulking. We do get, you know, pity parties, don't we, with our children. Even adults, we do it. But in the end, they know that they come back because the Holy Spirit's in them. Because you are blessed, you know, you're blessed and your children are blessed. So rejoice today because the God who created heaven and the earth, the burden bearer, the provider is more than enough. The protector who said he'd give his angels charge over you, that is the same God who has said he's with you. When you don't know what to do, the all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty God, that God is with you. Yeah. We don't need to fall into the darkness. We don't say, oh, okay, I'll give up. We need to keep on believing in our children. We need to keep on praying for our children. And we need to keep on loving our children. As God keeps on praying, you know, praying for us, keeps on loving us, keeps on believing in us. It's only when, you know, I don't mind.
when I was saying about Luke's writings, it mentions John the, birth, John the Baptist's birth. And the angel says, he gives a, you know, a de detailed account, and he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. In the Bible, it says every Passover Jews Every Passover, Jews set on an extra cup of wine on the dinner table and open the door for the enigmatic prophet Elijah, hoping he will enter. An evolving symbol of hope and redemption in Judaism over the centuries, Elijah's return is said to mark the Messiah's earthly arrival. They were waiting for Elijah. They thought Jesus was Elijah when he was on the cross. But Elijah had already been there, hadn't he? John the Baptist was there in the river telling everybody to repent, be baptised, and, you know, of the sins. In, in, in the last verse of the Old Testament, in Malachi 4, verse 5, he says, Luke, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. So if, we hadn't, if Luke hadn't wrote that, we wouldn't have known, would we? We were wondering, well, when's this Elijah coming? If it's true, where was Elijah? If, if Jesus is the Messiah, where was Elijah? Because Elijah was supposed to come first. But, Elijah, but John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah, didn't he? He was doing similar ministries as Elijah was doing. And he was there, wasn't he? And we know this, when Jesus was baptized and it was the Holy Spirit and God said, this is my son, I'm not. He was there, wasn't he? he John the Baptist was, the, was Elijah. But if you answer him for Luke's writing, he's um, wanting of want you know to write more and more. He's, he's, I can't find the word, but he wanted to know more and more. If it wasn't for that, we would never know who Elijah was. And God never does the same things twice, does he? We think you know because um, Elizabeth was an old woman and, and um, Zachariah was old, but he did it with Abraham and Sarah, didn't he? But it was different, didn't it? it they didn't, God didn't tell Abraham, you know, to name him. But he told uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth to name him John, which in them days was, would have been unusual because it would have been a family name that would have come out. And there was no Johns in the family. But God had told him to say John. Oh, this is a, and we need, you know, <clears throat> we need to know this. We need, we need to, like I said, delve into the word and to see these, you know, these things that connect each other. The word connect, Jesus is in from Genesis all the way to Revelation, isn't it? And we need to see that connection. And if it wasn't for, like I say, loose gospel, we wouldn't have seen that connection between Elijah and Jesus, you know, John the Baptist and Elijah. We wouldn't have seen that, would we? We'd have been lost. There'd have been doubts then, wouldn't there? There'd have been questions of doubt. You know, it wasn't fulfilled. He didn't fulfill all the prophecies, God. But he did, didn't he? And it's because of the Gospels that we hear. Okay, sorry. I'm going to end with this because we want to sing this song. Elizabeth was um, in the priestly line of Aaron. And in Numbers 6, 24, 26, he says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. As we sing this song, we've been reminded it's not just... Elizabeth, it's not just Aaron's blessing, it's a blessing 
for all of us because all nations are becoming in Christ, aren't they? All nations belong to God. And he's brought us all together. So let's sing this last song and remember. Sorry for going over.